0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to A Rise to Truth. My name is Wesley Simons, and I preach for the Stony Creek Church of Christ here in Elizabethton, Tennessee. I'm Elton Mathers, the Dean of Curriculum at the tri city School
1: of Preaching and Christian Development, and also the preacher of the Mount Olivet Congregation.
2: I'm Tim Phillips. I'm Dean of Instructors for the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development.
3: And I'm Michael Jordan. I'm the Dean of Media for the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development in Lisbethon, Tennessee. Good to have these men with us. Good to have you with us. If you are
0: where you can, go get your Bible, pencil, and paper. For the next one hour, study with us the greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect Well of God. Now, as you go to get that Bible, please stop by that telephone, call a friend, a loved one, tell them that the Arise to Truth radio program is on the air. If your friend or loved one is in the local area, we're located 690 on your AM dial. If they're out of town, out of state, out of country, then tell them to get on the internet. Type in arise to truth.com when our web page comes up. Click on the banner that says listen live here, and then they'll have us. Now, they and you can participate in our program. We want to encourage you again if you call, please cut your radios back because it causes feedback and the listeners. Have a hard time understanding what you're saying. To all of you who have called, thank you much for being a part of the Arise to Truth radio program. Now, today we're going to be talking about conversions. You know, the Bible says one's got to be born again, got to be born of water and of the Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God according to John 3, 3 through 5. Now, Jesus Christ, in given the Great Commission, said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He further stated that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So sure enough, when you come to Acts 2, verse number 5, They're at Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The apostles are being led into all truth, and they are convincing that crowd to the best of their ability that Jesus is everything he claimed to be. About 3,000 of them were pricked in their heart, and they cried out, men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, friends, was that answer right? Sure it was right. It was the Holy Spirit-given answer. It was in harmony with being born of water and of the Spirit. It's in harmony with that. It's in harmony with what Jesus said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What if you don't believe that? But he that believeth not shall be damned. That's the latter part of of the verse. Now, when you come to Acts 8, the conversion of the Samaritans, we have a false teacher there, old Simon the sorcerer. And he's led the people away from the least to the greatest. But Philip comes on the scene working legitimate miracles. And he's convincing the people. So in Acts 8:12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. I want you to notice that they did exactly what Jesus said do in Mark 16:16. 16, 16. They did exactly what Jesus is saying and do in John 3, 3 through 5. It's in complete harmony with Acts 2, verse number 38. And so then the Bible says in verse 13, Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, friends, the gospel plan of salvation cannot be made any more clear than what the Holy Spirit has made it in the Word of God. And yet you have these denominational preachers running around hollering, salvation by faith alone. Well, the Bible says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. According to James 2.24, they spit, as it were, right in the face of the Godhead, saying, we're not going to live by that. We're going to live by what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther wrote faith alone in the book of Romans, his Bible. And that's what the religious world teaches to a large degree. And then if you'll pick up one of their tracks, what will they be doing? They'll be saying, all you got to do is pray the sinner's prayer. Nowhere in the New Testament, we challenge you preachers that listen, nowhere in the New Testament was, ever, was anybody ever after the day of Pentecost told to pray in order to become a child of God. Now we challenge you to find where the alien sinner, one who'd never been born again, was told to pray in order to become a child of God. But now, all you listeners, don't hold your breath. They will not be calling. We've done this for years. They know as well as we that it's not in God's Word. And they're going to answer for what they've told these people come Judgment Day. Now, gentlemen, do y'all have a comment on what has been said thus far before we go to the conversion of the eunuch? You no, know, Wesley, you brought up
2: about... You know, John 3, you know, 3 through 5, talking about being one born again. Well, what born again means to you, it should also mean to me. Absolutely. It should mean the same thing to Milton and to Mm -hmm. Michael and to uh, everyone out there in the world that's accountable. That's right. You know, when uh, our Lord said, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. You know, I should understand that correctly. You should understand that correctly. Everybody else should understand that correctly. And I think that's very important when it comes to the idea of being born again. Uh, God Almighty only gave one plan of salvation. We only got one gospel. And matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Notice, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because you got people out there in the world saying, well, Peter preached one gospel. Paul preached another gospel. And then I've heard that there's like a third gospel. I mean, it's just amazing, you know, this, you know these different concepts and ideas that people come up with that's not even a 32nd cousin even taught in the Bible. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, that's talking about the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed, Uh, From faith to faith that is written, the just shall live by faith. And when you go to Acts chapter 15, you had a problem with some of the Jews there. They were trying to change the gospel for the Gentiles. They were trying to say that the Gentiles had to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. Well, that was not going to hold any cup of water at all. Matter of fact, Peter said this in verse 9 of Acts 15, and put no difference between us that's the Jews, and them, that's the Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. That's the system of faith. If you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved by the same faith system, whether Jew or Gentile. Verse 11 says, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So the same gospel that the Gentiles, obeyed in Acts chapter 10 the Jews obeyed in Acts chapter 2 and it's going to be the same gospel that you have the Samaritans obeying in Acts 8 and then with the eunuch also in Acts 8 I think about
1: Philip as well When you talk about Philip it's interesting that when you find him in Acts chapter 6 and it said that uh, when you talk about the Hebrew and widows need to be uh, attended to care to they appointed certain men to take care of them. And Stephen was one of them. He was a man of honesty, of honest report. Now, interesting when we talk about conversions, that these denominational preachers are not very honest. They're like Simon the Sorcerer, bewitching people, you know, deceiving people. So they're not very honest in handling the Word of God correctly. And sad for them that uh, you know, accountability on the Day of Judgment is going to be pretty harsh for them. And that's why the Rise of Truth Radio program is on the air twice a week for the very purpose to study the Bible to get those people out of it. And as you mentioned, Wesley, as long as the program has been going on, there's been several that had saw the light. You know, They came to the knowledge of the truth and realized that what they've been preaching and teaching was in error, and they came out of error and obeyed the gospel and now they're holding on to that which they uh, came, out of, came out of and, and started uh, making sure that they did things that are right and so Philip when he not only stopped there with t- tending to the care of those widows but he went about preaching the word of God and even Simon the sorcerer you know he was in error concerning uh, holding the view of being a sorcerer and his you ought to be thankful they wouldn't stone to death for it. <laughs> they they had an opportunity to obey the gospel before it's too late. But uh, there's something to consider when we talk about just this one conversion alone, that preachers need to be those who are honest, that they're handling God's word accurately. Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling accurately the word of truth. You'll never have God's favor if you're not
0: handling his word accurately. That's exactly right, Milton. Now, Tim brought up what is known as dispensationalism. Some of these denominational preachers have begun to say, well, now, let's not get after the Church of Christ for saying that they were to repent and be baptized on the day of Pentecost because that's what it says, and that that baptism was indeed for the remission of sins. And let's not get after them because they say Mark sixteen sixteen says, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." And let's not get after them because First Peter three twenty one says, "The like figure wherein to baptism will also now save us." And let's not get after them when Galatians three twenty seven through twenty nine says, "For as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ." And let's not get after them. When Romans 6, 1 through 6 says that one is baptized into Christ and crucifies the old man of sin. But you know what they say about that? All those verses are right. And the church of Christ had been telling the truth on it. But it was limited to the Jews only. When Paul came on the scene, Paul started teaching a different doctrine. Paul taught that one is saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Friends, that is hogwash. The Bible says Paul preached the gospel which once he destroyed. I believe that's Galatians uh, 1, 23. And so he preached the very faith he once destroyed. And by the way, the plan of salvation for mankind in all the ages, all three of them, has been the same, saved by grace through faith. You know how Adam and Eve are going to be saved if they're saved? Saved by grace through faith. You know how Moses, under the law of Moses, is going to be saved if he's saved? By grace through faith. You know how you and I are going to be saved? By grace through faith. And it's going to take the blood of Christ to back up, according to Hebrews 9, and cover all those under the Old Testament that trusted God, and to roll forward to cover all of us who trust God today. So the plan of salvation has never changed. Some particulars have. Like under the old law, they had to offer animal sacrifices and go to Jerusalem three times a year. The men did and so forth. Well, we don't have to do that. But we've got to do what the Lord says to do in order to be saved by grace through faith.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm glad that you brought up that point dealing with dispensationalism. You know, you take a look at Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and it talks about endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and then you have uh, in verse uh, 5 where it says one Lord one faith one baptism those that teach this dispensationalism doctrine says well you know uh, baptism for the remission of sins uh, was for the Jews it was for the remission of sins And that was essential to their salvation. But for the Gentiles, it wasn't. They were saved by grace through faith. How in the world can they have the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace when they couldn't even agree upon
0: baptism? That's right. What do you do with Timothy? That was a half-breed. Yeah. Half-Jew, half-Gentile. Which plan of salvation does he obey? Where do you find those two plans of salvation? Uh, in the Bible, and a difference being made between Jew and Gentile, when you read Ephesians two, the middle wall of petition was broken down through the body or death of Christ, so there'd be no division between Jew and Gentile, but that we could all be together in one precious body. That's the whole thing of Galatians three twenty-seven through twenty-nine. There's neither bond nor free, male nor female, Jew nor Greek, and we all have the same wonderful blessings in Christ Jesus, red, yellow, black or white. We're all precious in his sight.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Either the one baptism is there is for the remission of sins or it isn't. That's right. Which is it? That's right. You know, it can't be both because they're trying to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Then you talk about the one body. Well it takes something different. For a Jew to get into the one body than it does for a Gentile. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to talk about a mess. And here Paul is going different places. He's preaching to both Jew and Gentile. That's right. You know, and they want to you know hear the same message. And you know, how in the world can that be when he's telling the Jews one thing, then turn around and tell them the Gentiles something else? What a
0: mess! That's that's what religious confusion and division will get you with. That's right. You know, a lot of times people think, well, y'all get on radio and you point out all this division. Well, we point it out because the Bible teaches it's sinful. It's wrong. Just like we point out unscriptural divorcing and remarrying or homosexuality or abortion. Those things are wrong. And when you find God's people, they're going to be speaking out against it. And they're going to be saying there's not but one church. This is the church for which Jesus Christ died, one plan of salvation, one way to worship God acceptably, one moral code, and that's got to be the moral code of the Word of God. And so when you find God's people, they're going to be agreeing with God Almighty. And it's amazing. You now have 45,000 different religious groups claiming to follow Christianity. No wonder atheism has grown more. In the last 50 years and ever before. Wessel, let me
2: put a footnote. There's some churches of Christ that are not even following God's Oh, path. I agree mm-hmm. with that. And see, you even had the Apostle Paul. He wrote to the church at Corinth and different congregations trying to straighten out some of the doctrinal messes that they got themselves into. That's right. I,
4: I'm
1: mindful of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, where you talk about that. and Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his authority... That you all speak the same thing. There be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. As you mentioned, Tim, the churches of Christ have those divisions as well, but it's contrary to what Paul taught here in other verses as well. And Wesley mentioned some 45,000 different religious groups. That tells us about the division in religion in general. And I can remember not too long ago, it was like in the hundreds, you know.
2: Oh yeah. Now it's in the thousands. Yeah. Something's wrong with that picture. Yeah. And men will never uphold a congregation that don't Mm. uh, of the Lord's church that don't preach the truth on marriage, divorce, remarriage, church discipline. uh, You know, just you know, other you know Mm. uh, things that we find in, in the Word of God. They gotta like you pointed out there. We must all speak the same thing, and there be no divisions among us. That we be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment.
1: That's right. In fact,
2: John, Jesus prayed
1: for that in the whole. In Jesus' prayers in John chapter seventeen, not in Matthew chapter six. And so, it, Jesus, if that was pretty important to Jesus to pray to the Father that they all be one as He and the Father one, it ought to be important for us and everybody else as well to be one. To be one in Christ Jesus, you have to be baptized into Christ and live according to the oneness that's revealed there in Scripture. Uh, because there's only one head, one body, and we all are sub- subject to that one head. And if we're subject to that one head, we're not going to have divisions, and we're going to be of the same mind. But sadly, it's
0: not the case. That's right, Milton. And we've got to be of the same mind, same judgment, according to the Word of God. And, of course, you can't do that if you're not in the same body. Mm-hmm. And you've got the same body of belief or the one faith, as the Bible puts it, You know, there's no such thing as a Protestant hope, a Jewish hope, a Catholic hope. The only hope we got is in Christ Jesus doing it his way. But yet, the religious world does not view it that way. Well, the religious world is wrong. Friends, we got to do what the Word of God says do. You know, you might be out there listening and thinking, well, great Scott, These men act like you can be sincere about your religious belief and (laughs) wind up lost. That's exactly what we believe. That's what the Bible teaches. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, cast out demons in thy name, done many wonderful works in thy name? And then will I profess unto them, depart from me ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Notice, those people, honestly, sincerely, Judgment Day is going to argue with the Lord. Now, my question is, where are these people? He says there's many of them. And yet, if you listen to the average preacher, the average preacher will tell you that no, the majority of people are going to be saved. Go to any funeral. I've never been to a funeral yet where anybody was lost. But yet the Bible teaches the majority of people are going to hell. Matthew seven, thirteen, and 14.
3: You know, fellas, I think about James chapter 3. where the ones who teach are going to have the greater condemnation. Now, we've already stated that if we are preaching truth, We're preaching unity, and if we preach something other than truth, we're preaching division because you can have it your way, I can have it my way, and they can have it any way they want it, and the Bible doesn't teach that, and we've been pointing that out, but I've wondered if they've ever considered, if they don't preach the truth on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, are they not adding to and or taking away from God's word? And three times in Deuteronomy, Proverbs, and Revelation, we are taught not to take away or add to. So the, I, think, I, I think they need to consider James chapter 3 and everything that we've already said.
0: That's exactly right. Wouldn't you hate to be a man that is taught error and influence hundreds, thousands, or millions of people? Take your last breath only to meet your maker, to find out you taught error and damned your own soul and the souls of thousands and millions of people. And you're going to receive, that individual is going to receive a greater condemnation Mm -hmm. because when he spoke, he is saying, in essence, I want to tell you what God says. Well, he's a liar. If he's not telling you what God says, and Proverbs 30 and verse number 6 says that, that a man who changes God's word is a liar. And so we don't want to come across as a liar because we want to tell you only what the Bible says. As we say on this program over and over again, take our word for nothing. You listen to what we have to say as well as our callers, and you take your Bible, and you see if either is in harmony with God's word. That is your obligation and your privilege you know, the people of Berea were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so, Acts 17:11. The Bible says, Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. First Thessalonians 5, verse number 21. Now, it's my obligation to establish from the Word of God My belief system. As a matter of fact, I'm to go there to get it. I'm not to believe it if it's not in the Word of God. Now, a lot of people, they make up their mind what they're going to believe. And then they go to the Bible, see if they can find a verse that might hint that maybe that's right. That's the wrong way to go at Bible study. You go to the Word of God, you read it, and you draw out of it only that which is taught. We must draw only those conclusions. Which are warranted by the evidence. You know, this is a, a serious matter. You know, you brought
2: up, you know, those teaching uh, uh, that which is wrong. You know, you had a man in the Old Testament days by the name of Hananiah in Jeremiah chapter twenty-eight. Well, Hananiah was a prophet, but he was a false prophet. And I want you to notice what he was doing uh, in chapter twenty-eight, beginning in verse two. Thus he said this: "Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts." He's trying to give a, a, thus saith the Lord. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon within two full years. Will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them into Babylon. And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, Saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. That was nothing but an outright lie. That's right. Jeremiah prophesied that they would be in captivity seventy years. In chapter twenty-four, as matter of fact, in chapter uh, twenty-two, Jeconiah, or better known as Coniah, he would die in Babylon. He would stay there. He was not going to return. He was not going to return back home. So that was nothing but an out. And our lie, in verse 15 of the same chapter, chapter 28, then said the prophet Jeremiah to Hananiah, the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. It's either a, the truth, Wesley, or it is a lie. Either faith only is the truth, or it is a lie. That's right. Either going to the mourner's bench, and, and pray what we call praying through it's either a truth or it is a lie. either faith only is truth or it is a lie. Grace only is truth or it is a lie. One church is as
0: good as another is either truth or it is a lie. once saved always saved. Yeah. is either the truth or a lie. You've been elected from the foundation of the world to be saved regardless of how you live is either the truth or a lie. And these preachers are lying. They're lying, and we'll be glad to give them equal time on this program to prove what they're teaching. You know, we're not trying to be mean. No, this, that's right. Hey, this is some serious business. Just like back
2: during the days of Jeremiah, it was serious business because these people they were going, they already went in captivity in six oh six, and Jeremiah's trying to stop, you know, stop it, trying to get them to repent. Then they went in five ninety seven, then finally five eighty six. Taken into captivity by the Babylonians. The temple was destroyed. What a mess
0: because they listened to lies. You know, Tim, if I'd have been back there, and I loved Judaism, and I loved the temple, and I was a Jew, I think I'd rather listen to Hananiah than listen to Jeremiah. Because he says, this is only going to last two years. But Jeremiah says, no, sir. God says 70. Yeah. You know, so you're tempted to to wish for the best. And that's what people do today. They want everybody to be saved. And we appreciate that to a point. And, you know, their attitude becomes, no matter what you believe, you're going to be all right with God. That's either the truth or a lie. And that's the biggest lie Satan is telling. It makes no matter what you believe as long as you're honest and sincere. Well there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs fourteen twelve. I quoted for you a moment ago Matthew seven, twenty one through twenty three, where many people are going to stand at the judgment and argue with the Lord. They thought they were saved, but they wound up lost. You see, you gotta get it right. I gotta get it right. Milton.
1: Yeah. You know, it all comes from just, the, you know, the teachings of men. That's the problem. That's right. And Jesus condemned that in Mark chapter 7, verse 7, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. And uh, because they're doing that, it's false
0: worship. That's exactly right. Arise to Truth, you're on the air. Go ahead, please.
5: Yeah, I was uh, listening to your broadcast. Uh, I was reading there, like you mentioned, uh, in... Uh Let's see, uh, Mark sixteen, sixteen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Right. He that, he that believeth not shall be damned. Mm-hmm. And I was wanting to ask you, uh, you also mentioned in chapter 8 of the book of Acts about Simon the sorcerer. Right. Uh, it says uh, in chapter 8, verse 13, uh, Then Simon himself believed also... And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which he done. So he, he believed and he was baptized. And then in, over here in verse 21, Peter tells him, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for the heart is not right in the sight of God. And goes on to tell him in verse 22 to repent. And uh, so there was no conversion after he was, after he believed and was baptized. Would you, uh, I'll get off of here and uh, you talk to me about uh, how this is in correlation with Mark sixteen sixteen. he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That part of it he was obedient to. But yet Peter says there was no conversion after that baptism. Would you talk about this?
0: I sure will. Thank you. Bye. That's a good now, question. Now, one thing Peter did not say was that there was no conversion. There's definitely conversion. Now, let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit moved Luke to write and say in Acts eight twelve concerning the Samaritans, they believed. Now, friends, you can mark that down, underline it, triple exit. That's exactly what they did. They were Bible believers. They believed in God. Christ, the Holy Spirit and truth. And when the Bible says they were baptized, you can mark that down, underline it, and triple X it. So we come to Simon. And the Holy Spirit moved Luke to write and say that Simon himself believed also. So brother, you can mark that down, underline it, triple X it He is a believer. And when he was baptized, you can mark that down underline it in Triple Exit, he was baptized. He continued with Philip and wondered beholding the miracles and signs which were done. A Baptist preacher came to my home in Memphis, Tennessee one time, and he believed once saved, always saved, and he tried to make the argument that this man, Simon the Sorcerer, was never converted. I said, well, don't you reckon his problem was he wasn't baptized? Oh, he nearly came out of his seat. You can't say that. The Word of God says he is baptized. Well, I knew that. I said, that's right. I can't doubt his baptism, and you can't doubt his belief. To do so is to doubt the Holy Spirit that said he did both of them. So he was definitely converted, Now, the problem with being converted, friends, we don't always give up our old ways totally the way we need to. And those old ways continue to be a temptation to us. Keep in mind, this man was a sorcerer. He loved the spotlight. He had deceived the least to the greatest. And when he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given he wanted that ability. Hey,
2: Wesley. Before you go on, uh, keep in mind also Luke twenty four forty seven, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved from one's past or alien sins. Right. So Simon had his past or alien sins forgiven when he believed and was baptized.
0: Absolutely good point, Tim. So now he wants this ability. See, he's into something akin to this, except it wasn't real. Now he wants the real thing. Well, Peter says, thy heart is not right. He says, you don't have part in our lot in this. Now keep in mind, the apostles, part of them was of the original 12, 11 of them were, and the other chosen by lot. You don't have part in our lot in this matter. In other words, this is something the apostles do. You know what you need to do because your heart's not right? And I have to do this. You have to do this on a regular basis if you're a child of God. Repent as a child of God and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of our heart would be forgiven us. To show his honesty and sincerity, he wants Peter to pray for him that this will not come upon him. Oh, he realized immediately when shown your attitude's not right. You're right, Peter. You're right. It's not right now. Now, he was right when he obeyed the gospel. But then when he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, there comes the temptation after conversion. You know, uh, Peter was converted and served the Lord. But yet he fell away. He denied the Lord. And then, notice this. The Lord said, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to repent of." A- Denying me, Peter. Peter said, oh, he thought he'd die for him. I'll go to my death for you. And he said, well, before the rooster crows three times tonight, you will have denied me thrice three times. So, you see, we got to realize it's not only a matter of being converted. It's a matter of living it. And the old devil has convinced some people that you don't have to live it. That you can commit sin like Sam Mars, the Baptist preacher said after you're born again you can commit every sin there is from murder to idolatry and your soul is in no danger hog wash friends can you believe that the question is how do we know we know the Lord hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him First John 2 3 and 4 Friends, if you say you know the Lord and you're living in sin, you're a liar. If I say I know the Lord and I'm living in sin, I'm a liar. And all liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone. Yeah, I appreciate the caller asking that. That's you know, a good
2: question. It is a very good question. You know, you have, uh, like I said, Simon here converted. Verse 13, he believed and he was baptized. Mark sixteen sixteen, He was saved from his pastor alien sins. That's and right. Then... He said, Give me also this power on that whomsoever I lay my hands on, he may also receive the Holy Ghost. Well, that got him in trouble. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought. Notice, thought. His actions got him in trouble that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither partner nor lot in this matter for thy heart. Notice, his heart, it was a heart problem, is not right in the sight of God. Now, verse 22, Repent therefore of this, of this, Thy wickedness. Well, what this thy wickedness? Well, because he thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You repent of this. Not all the wickedness before that. That's right. You he had were, already taken care of that. Yeah, you repent of this thy wickedness and pray God that perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. If he was not converted at all, period, Peter would have told him you need to repent and be baptized. That's right. In order uh, to receive the remission of your sins. So... Here's a uh, here's a, an example of a child of God falling from the favor of God, just like the man in First Corinthians chapter five that had his father's wife. There was a child of God that fell from the very favor of God Almighty. That's right. So you got you know you know these examples like Simon here in chapter eight, uh, the man in First Corinthians chapter five that had his father's wife, Ananias and Sapphira,
0: and Acts chapter five verses one through eleven. Tim. Where did the devil come from? Now, think about that, audience. Where did the devil come from? Did God just make a being and make him so evil it's unreal and sentence him to hell without any opportunity of being with God forever? No, God can't do that. He's too good. So the devil at one time had to be a good being that failed. Some angels put in heaven strictly by the grace of the Most High God failed. From that grace, read Jude 6. Read, if you will, Second Peter two four, And you'll find that precious beings that once were in the very presence of the Most High God, put there by God's amazing grace, fell. Fail. fail so far as to be eternally lost. And then someone say that we can't follow Judas Iscariot fell. And the Bible says that Jesus said he hadn't lost any of those that God gave him except one, the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And you know what Jesus Christ said about that man? Been better for him had he never been born. You know, I've heard Baptist preachers say, well, he did fall, but he's going to be saved. No, Jesus said, been better for that man if he'd never been born. Ladies and gentlemen, if I wind up in heaven yet on earth I live an ungodly life after the new birth, then, boy, it was great for me to be born because I'm going to be with God in all eternity. What a ridiculous statement to say that I can live any way I want to after I'm born again. Friends, it's a matter of a love affair. Falling in love with God, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a matter of faithfulness, dedication, dedication. Conviction. And America doesn't have that much anymore Mm. when it comes to religion. You know, God Almighty, through
2: the uh, prophet Ezekiel, got it exactly right in Ezekiel chapter 8, beginning here in verse 23. He says, Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, And doeth according to all the abominations of the wicked man, doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned in his trespass that he has trespassed, and in his sin that he has sinned, and them shall he die. That means he's going to die spiritually. Yet uh, yet ye say, the way of the Lord is not equal. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, and dieth in them for his iniquity? That he hath done, he shall die again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed, and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save what is he shall save his soul alive now which, what now, what about right. the righteous man that turns away well he 's going to uh, for his iniquity he, that he hath done, he shall die he 's not going to save his soul alive he 's going to lose his soul
1: that's right, Milton. I was thinking about the Simon the sorcerer now as a Christian. Uh, as it corresponds with Mark chapter 16, verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Simon did that. He became a Christian. And because he sinned, as you had talked about, he had erred. And so he needed to repent. And just as uh, those verses correspond to Mark chapter 16, verse 16, repentance also, I think, corresponds with 1 John chapter 1. Beginning in verse 6, John writes and says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Sound like Simon there for a period of time. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, the son, cleanses us from all sins. And that's a continuous action. He keeps on cleansing us as we walk in the light. If we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what Simon asked Peter for him to do. And they, you know, they prayed for him, and he confessed it. He recognized he's in sin. Now that blood that washed him in the water grave of baptism has washed him of his sins because
0: he repented of it. Yes, that's right. Now, uh, some I said, well, you're after the Baptist. No, friends, a huge part of Baptist. Uh, do not believe in once saved, always saved. I know of churches that have split, Baptist churches, where the members were sick of the once saved, always saved, and wanted to show that man had free will and could go back and live ungodly if he wanted to, and those people would suffer the vengeance of God as a result thereof. And that's what the Bible teaches. I had a Baptist preacher come to my home one time. He was running for a political office. And he said... Uh, I want you to vote for me. God told me to run. I said, I don't believe that for a minute. I said, you're lying when you say that. And he said, well, will you vote for me? I said, well, what do you stand for? And he stood against abortion and homosexuality and all kinds of ungodliness. And I told him this, and I did. I said, I'm going to vote for you. Not because God Almighty told you to run, because I don't believe that but I'm going to vote for you because you're standing in harmony with Bible principles on those issues. Well, I saw him after the election over in Mountain City in a store, grocery store. He had lost. And I said, I want to ask you what happened to the election. I don't understand it. God told you to run, and God and I both couldn't get you in because my wife and I voted for you. Now, isn't that amazing? These preachers will lie to you They'll do anything to try to get votes, try to get money. Well, he came to see my wife when she was in the hospital, and he believed once saved, always saved. And I said, uh, I want to read you a couple of verses, and I want you to comment on them. And I said, James five nineteen and 20. Brethren, now we're talking to brethren, members of the church. If any of you do err from the truth, notice they had the truth and erred from it, And one convert him. Notice a brother that errs from the truth, Simon the sorcerer, uh, needs to be converted. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. That's not physical death. He's going to die anyway. It's appointed unto man once to die. That's spiritual death. And shall hide a multitude of sins. Now what I want you to do, sir, is comment on that. In view of your once saved, always saved doctrine, to which he responded, Man, that's two great verses for you. To which I responded, I don't have verses. Those are God's verses. And you and I must align our life and our teaching and our belief system with it. Now, he'll get in the pulpit and talk about the fall of Adam and Eve. From what? And did it matter? They fell from the grace of God, and yes, it mattered. They wound up lost as a result of that, and they were going to have to do what God said do to get back into God's good graces. And these preachers lying to people, lying. I mean, flat-out lying, saying it makes no difference how you live once you're born again. Heaven's going to be yours. If I was a devil, I'd love to have servants like that that would tell people that so I could get them to burn in hell with me if I was the devil.
2: Oh, it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it reminds me once again of, you know, Jeremiah chapter 28 with Hananiah the false prophet. I mean, lo and behold. I mean, can you just imagine, you know, I'd, I'd probably been right with you thinking, wow, two years over 70. Yeah, I'll take that and think about this. We're going to get our king back. Yeah, that's right. We're going to get, you know, Conai back.
0: Mm-hmm. Well. And Jeremiah, so negative. Yeah, yeah. That old negative preaching 70 years down there in captivity, you mean to tell me God's going to let this temple be destroyed for seventy years and not have it rebuilt? That stupidity going to seed. Yeah, and here and here, think about this. Jeremiah's trying to get
2: these people to repent. They've already had a carrying away in six oh six. Jeconiah or Coniah was carried away in five ninety seven. He's already in captivity, so two carrying aways already, and he's trying to get them to repent. And here Coniah saying. Two years and Conai's coming back when he's already said 70 years and he's not coming back.
0: Yep, that's right.
2: You know, he got them to trust a oh, lie.
0: That's right. That's exactly that, That's right. sad. Milton?
2: Speaking of liars,
1: Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and some liars? No says, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burn with fire and brimstone with the second death. Now, this is where people are going to go to telling those lies, Wesley. And once they get there, they can't get out. There's not going to be there anybody to hear their prayers, their requests, their sorrows, their groanings. It's going to be darkness. It's going to be burning sensation that does not consume nor destroy. I tell you,
0: people need to wake up, quit telling those lies, and start telling the truth. That's right. Diane Sawyer's exposed on national television, these so-called faith healers. She had a lady with her who was complaining about hip pain, as I recall, leg pain, one or the other. And the so-called faith healer said, well, no wonder. You lay here on this table, one leg shorter than the other. I'll pray for you, heal you, and You won't have that pain anymore. And so he started to pray, and sure enough, you could see the foot grow, the leg grow. Man alive, what a wonderful man of God. Diane Sawyer said, did you catch what he did? He's pulling her shoe, high heel, out just a little bit at a time. And on camera, it looks like the leg is growing. We had the legs measured before we went there. They were exactly the same length. Now, another man went there, and he'd been to several faith healers. Now, these guys are liars. And lo and behold, he was dressed up like a woman and had female trouble. And he was healed, proclaimed he was healed. Another one, and Diane Sawyers, she had all kinds of uh, audio equipment there to pick up what was going on. And you had a man up front saying, oh, there's a woman here from Ohio, and let's see, she's got this trouble or that trouble, and the Holy Spirit's telling me this. No, it was the wife that was telling him. Arise to truth, you're on the air. Go ahead, please.
4: I do have a, a brief comment about these faith healers. I watched this thing on television, and it was exposed that a lot of them had horrid people to access and they act like they were sick and they had healed them and some of them had come and admitted what it was. But you know my Bible tells me and now don't get me wrong, I do believe the Lord has the power to heal or to whatever he would will to do. And I do believe we pray for one another that we may be healed because I have faith in the Lord. But these faith healers, if they're so powerful, why don't they go into these old folks' homes and these places where people sick and prove what they say? If they can't prove it, then they're not found to be right with the Lord. They're found to be hypocrites and liars, and none of them has done that. And until I see them doing that... I'm going to go ahead and believe that the Lord has healed our souls from sins. And that's a miracle in itself. But as far as healing this body, I think that we have doctors that the Lord has given knowledge to help us with our sicknesses. And I believe the Lord does have the power. Don't get me wrong. But I think some of those things has been taken out of the hands of man to do, since the apostles. Maybe I'm wrong in that. Let me know what you think, and I'll get off here.
0: Okay, thank you. Bye. The Bible teaches miracles have ceased. Now, we believe every miracle in the Bible, and I'm going to participate in a miracle one day. Now, I believe miracles will occur in the future. When the Lord comes back, every grave will be emptied, Every person will be raised. Everybody will be changed. If I'm living, my body will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, and I'll be called up to meet the Lord. The universe will melt with fervent heat. Oh, God's not through with his amazing power. Now, these speakers on this program believe in divine healing. Mm -hmm. We believe it with all of our heart. That's why we pray for the sick, and we keep them on our sick list and pray for them constantly. But as far as somebody getting an arm cut off and putting it back on, there's nobody living today that can do that. Arise to truth, you on the air. Go ahead, please.
4: Hey, Wesley, how you doing today, buddy?
0: Doing good, yeah.
4: Good, yeah. I mean, I, I'm like you. I believe in divine healing as well, so we have a prayer list at church and pray for life and bother praying if, not, if God can't heal somebody. That's right. Uh, doesn't it say in James to if there's any that's sick to call for the elders of the church? And
0: That's right
4: can't you do that and anoint people with them I mean, can you can pray over them can't you absolutely can you, do church? Like, oh, well, yeah. can you guys you guys lay hands on people at your church too and well and that, that was a,
0: that was a practice back then but we do pray for them which is the same principle yeah
4: yeah okay i i was making sure that was okay because we do that
0: mm-hmm. you know?
4: i mean it has nothing to do with us it's the power of god that we're trusting yeah. in but if it's his will so that's, that's right. right all, all right. right Hey, thank you very much thank awesome. you right, bye 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 bye
0: Okay, we appreciate all our callers, and and we do believe in divine healing, but not miraculous healing. Like I said, if you get your arm cut off here at the Stony Creek Church of Christ, we don't have a member that can put it back on for you just miraculously, but nobody else can do it either. But now when Malchus got his ear cut off by Simon Peter, the Lord just reached down, picked it up, and put it back on. Do you believe that, Wesley? With all my heart. you believe he walked on water, Jesus? Yeah, I believe Peter did for a little while before he took his eyes off the Lord. Do you believe God made a woman out of a rib? With all my heart. I believe every miracle in the Word of God that the universe was created in six literal 24-hour days. Tim, you can make one brief comment. Well, that's just like in Matthew chapter uh, 17, just real quick. You know, you
2: had had the man that brought his son and the disciples couldn't get the job done. Well, uh the, the he wasn't laid upon the, the son and they didn't couldn't say, Well, he just didn't have enough faith. No, the Lord said it was because of
0: your lack of faith. That's right, but now you think about these faith healers, they blame it on the candidate. And if I was a candidate and thought, well, if I don't have enough faith to be healed, I know I don't have enough faith to be saved. Thank you for being with us. Please become a Christian today if you're not one, by believing, repenting of your sins, confessing to Christ before men, being baptized for the remission of your sins, allowing the Lord to add you to his church, not some man-made church. You love him. You put him first in your life. You be dedicated, convicted, live for him your entire life. And I'll tell you one thing, when the rose called up yonder, you'll be there. Hey, thank you so much for being with us. And may God richly bless you as you continue to study the greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God.